So as we've said several times already, today is the first Sunday in Advent, and uh, maybe some of you are wondering what really is Advent. It's just an old church tradition where we set aside four Sundays leading up to Christmas as a time of preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And you thought it was just a time to get your Christmas shopping done, right? While watching, just, well, after watching all those slurpy Christmas movies on the Women's Network, uh, like who came up with 24 hours a day Christmas movies from mid-November on? It's revenge, isn't it? Revenge for all of the hockey and football guys watch, that must be it, or... It's revenge for those of us who think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It is, you know. Uh, Die Hard is one great Christmas movie, and yeah, uh, you know, like, think of this, 24 hours a day of Die Hard, now that would be Christmas. But anyways, today being the first Sunday at Advent, the focus is on hope. The hope that Jesus brings. Now our dictionaries define hope as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. And hope is that. But for the Christian, hope is far deeper and far greater than that. When we look to the Bible, we find that biblical hope um, just doesn't desire something for the future. It actually expects it. It expects it to happen. Christian hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and our trust in God's promises that our God is faithful. Our hope is based on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus and his love for us. An old hymn writer put it this way, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The writer of the biblical letter to the Hebrews puts it this way, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Christian hope. It's a sure thing, firm and secure. It's a confident expectation. And today, I I want us to see hope as we kick off this first message in our Advent series where we're going to take a look at Joseph. And then we'll look at Mary next week and Jesus the week after that. And we're going to take a look at the intense emotions within the Christmas story and how we work through our own intense emotions. And uh, I think of all of the holidays in the calendar year, whether you follow Jesus or not, The nature of Christmas is that more than any other holiday evokes some pretty intense emotions. I mean, somehow Christmas tends to make our our highs higher and our lows lower. Now, one thing about uh, Fort City and living in Fort McMurray is that this will be the first Christmas for a a good number of newborns. And and that's going to make the Christmas high even higher for a lot of parents and grandparents around here. Heck, when my daughter and son-in-law lived with us here in Fort McMurray and they got a new black lab puppy to add to our household, that black lab got Christmas presents, had her own Christmas stocking. Uh, All this to say that even a black lab at Christmas makes our highs higher. Now, with the up-and-down economy here in Fort McMurray, some of you are actually experiencing or expecting a joy-filled Christmas because... You have a job this Christmas and you didn't have one last Christmas or it just wasn't working financially for you last Christmas. I mean, emotions just seem to multiply at Christmas time. And for some, you won't get to connect with family this Christmas or you won't have family to connect with and Christmas when you're isolated from friends and family can make that sense of low even lower. And can I encourage us as a church family to watch out for that? There is no more important day in our culture to feel connected than on Christmas Day. No tougher day to be home alone in isolation. And for some of you, the lows of Christmas might be intensified because of health issues or job-related issues, separation, divorce, the the death of a, a loved one in the past year. Something just threw a wrench into the middle of your life. 
And Christmas just intensifies the emotion you're feeling around all of that. And in the first Christmas story, we see that Joseph, he had a wrench thrown into the middle of his holiday plans and he reacted with intense emotion to it all. Let me just tell you a little bit about Joseph. All he wanted was to honor God with his life. He, he was an unusually strong man of faith. He was a hard-working man, a carpenter, and we assume a skilled one at that. He honored God by how he worked with his hands. Furthermore, Joseph took biblical sexual ethics seriously, something our culture has thrown out the door long ago, but this was very important to Joseph. He and Mary committed themselves to total sexual purity when they were dating and then after they were engaged. Joseph loves God. He, he wants God to be first in every place and in every part of his life. And he's doing his best to live this way. But a wrench comes flying out of the darkness and hits him straight between the eyes. Mary tells him point blank that she's pregnant. Before she even finishes the sentence, Joseph kind of feels his knees getting weak, his, his stomach tightens up, nothing in his well-planned-out future is ever going to be the same, and he knows it. What Mary just told him changed everything. Joseph has been honoring God as best that he knows how. He thought he was marrying a woman committed to those same values. He's shocked to discover that he's been deceived, that he didn't really know Mary as he thought he knew her. And now, Mary is mumbling something about the fact that she hasn't been with another man, that this pregnancy is somehow a God thing. Joseph's head is spinning. The only thing he's sure of is that his life has just drastically changed for the worse. There are feelings of hurt and betrayal and confusion. They're just swirling around his head and heart. I mean, it's crushing him. Okay, let's bring this home to you and me. I want you to think about this and answer this in your mind. What is your knee-jerk reaction when a wrench out of nowhere hits you in the head? When your job gets eliminated in a downsizing effort at work and you never saw it coming? You get a call or a message and you have a meeting in the HR office and you're going, you got to be kidding me. Not at Christmas. Come on. A, a medical report knocks the wind out of you. you. You get betrayed by a spouse, a child, a friend. And can I be honest? I think most of us, I think this is true of me, we're, we're kind of hot reactors. In those moments when bad news comes our way, we want to yell, we want to lash out, we want to get revenge. We want somebody to pay. We want what we think is justice. We want to cry, unfair, this is so, so wrong. We want everyone to know that we do not deserve these circumstances, especially not now, especially not with Christmas coming. Here's where some words from the Apostle Paul are so very appropriate. He's writing to a young leader named uh, Timothy, and, and Paul actually knows a thing or two about how Timothy reacts to stuff, and so he says, but you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. I love that. Keep your head. Keep your head in all situations. Sometimes. I have to quote that to myself and ask the Holy Spirit to help me keep my head. And by the way, that's a prayer the Holy Spirit will answer. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you keep your head. God loves to help us keep our cool. And this is what Joseph does with this devastating, confusing announcement from his fiancée, Mary. He keeps his head. Really, it's awesome. He doesn't, he doesn't lash out at Mary. 
He doesn't do what I've watched several guys uh, do when they found out that their partner was unfaithful. He doesn't run out and have an affair to get even. He doesn't tell a hundred people that Mary did him wrong. Let's take a look at how the Apostle Matthew describes the situation. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she found she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Do you see it there? Joseph is keeping his head. I mean, how awesome is that? He's asking God to help him in his own pain and sense of betrayal. He's resisting the temptation to allow bitterness and vengeance seeking to take over his heart. And get this, he's looking for a way to protect Mary from public disgrace. That's the kind of man Joseph is. He's been betrayed, at least that's what he's thinking. But even so, he's looking to protect the woman who he believes has betrayed him. Hey, I have enormous respect for this guy. The wrench flies out of the closet, hits Joseph, and he keeps his head. And he just doesn't keep his head. He cares. He shows love to the person. Joseph, he's just an inspiration to me. And so I pray, inspired by Joseph, I pray, hey, God, help me. When bad news comes my way, I don't want to be that blaming, bitter, reactionary guy who lashes out at people and shakes my fist and curses God in the night. God, help me. Seriously. I don't want to be that guy. And I'm sure many of you don't either. I want to be able to keep my head. I want to be able to keep my faith. I want to be able to keep my hand in God's hand and trust Him hour by hour as the nightmare unfolds. I want to believe that God will see me through. And God, He honors Joseph for that. As we read on in Matthew, we see God respond to Joseph in his pain and hurt. We see God honoring Joseph's faith. We, we see God responding to his kind-heartedness towards, towards Mary. And by the way, i got to say it again. The kind-heartedness of Joseph to Mary, who he thinks has betrayed him, is just mind-blowing. And God sees it, and what God does next is so incredible. God communicates to Joseph in a dream. Look at what the Apostle Matthew uh, records about Joseph's dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you, you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Before I talk about this dream, let me just throw in a quick comment about dreams from God. Dreams from God are not just something that happened way back then with special people like Joseph. Now it's true. This dream came to Joseph because of his passion to serve and honor God. This dream served a very specific purpose in God's plan to bring Jesus to our world. But it doesn't stop there. Our God still speaks through dreams. The Apostle Peter talking about the last days, and by the way, when he uses the term last days, he means the full period of time between the death of Jesus and his return. Peter quotes the prophet Joel with these words, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. And friends, we're living right in the middle of those days. Our God can and does speak in unusual ways. And by the way, where we're hearing the most about God speaking through dreams is in the Muslim Middle East. It's quite something. 
thousands, if not tens of thousands, but at least thousands of Muslims over the last five or so years have reported getting dreams of Jesus, revealing himself to them, and they have become followers of Jesus. More Islamic people have chosen to follow Jesus in the last five to ten years than for the entire history of Islam. And a lot of it has to do with supernatural dreams. So I'm thinking, let's be praying for our Muslim neighbors that Jesus would break through to them with a dream and we're there to help them to understand the dream. As I travel, I just hear more and more stories. When I was in Jordan with Matt and Steph a couple of years back, I, I met a bunch of Muslim followers of Jesus and dreams were a part of how some of them got started with Jesus. They still go to the mosque on Fridays, and you can wrestle with that if you want, but in the mosque, they tell me they're worshiping Jesus. And before they knew Jesus, they just never knew if they'd done enough to satisfy Allah to get into heaven. They, they just now, now that they know Jesus, they know that Jesus has paid the price for them, that their eternity in heaven is secure. The lift to their lives, the freedom, the transformation, it is amazing. It's actually kind of a do versus done deal. In Islam, you never know if you've done enough and you kind of live hoping that Allah will be gracious in the end, but you just never know because there's always more to do. I have a friend here in Fort McMurray uh, who, who said to me, oh, Doug, Islam is way too hard, but, but he sticks with it. In Christianity, it's a done deal because of Jesus. Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves, do versus done, and it all started for some of these Muslim followers of Jesus that I met in Ju Jordan with a supernatural dream where Jesus revealed himself as Savior and called them to follow him. The stories are incredible. So that got me thinking. One of the ways that we can show love to our Muslim neighbors is simply to pray for them. We need to be praying for our Muslim neighbors that Jesus would reveal himself to them through a dream, that maybe uh, you would get to be the person to help them understand that dream and understand Jesus, maybe invite them to church or starting point. You need to pray for and tangibly, practically love your Muslim neighbor. Don't think. It couldn't happen here in Fort McMurray. It could. Maybe our Monday night prayer meeting will take up that challenge. Okay, back to Joseph's dream. He's given a pretty specific set of instructions on what to do. One, don't break off the engagement. Go through with the marriage. Second, when the baby comes, name the baby Jesus, not Joe Jr., not Jason, not Justin, just name him Jesus. It's a special name. It means savior or rescuer. And Joseph, being the good guy that he is, he takes the dream seriously and he does as God asks him to do. But still, he's human, right? And he must have had a rough time overcoming his suspicions of Mary. Like when she's walking down the aisle and she's pregnant and he's hoping, yeah, Man, really, I, I hope this is a God thing. I sure hope so. Now, I want us to see something else from this story. We believe that God speaks personally to us today. Maybe not so often in dreams, but often God turns up in the middle of our multiple voices that we hear in our hearts, and he speaks through thoughts and impressions that we come to know or we come to discern as being from Jesus. Jesus put it this way, talking about you and me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We hear the voice of Jesus as we read the Bible. He speaks to us as we read, but we hear him through nudges and whispers as he leads us through the day. But you know, sometimes we find it very hard to hear from God. Like when we're living at Mach 2 speed, when we're going at breakneck pace, and uh, what we hear is the wind blowing past our ears, and it just drowns God out. 
It's also sometimes to hear from God when you're reeling from a fresh disappointment. When you first learn the adoption is not going to happen as planned because the mother reconsidered, or when the white blood cell count does not go back to normal, when the job offer doesn't come and all the doors seem to be closed, you receive bad news and your head starts to race. Your imagination, just be right, it just kicks into overdrive at that point and you come up with all kinds of worst-case scenarios. Friends, when your head is filled with worry, it's just tough to keep your head. It's, it's just tough to hear God speak. It's, it, it's hard to discipline yourself to find a quiet place to get along with God and try and get your bearings to where you can kneel down and say, God, God, do you have a word for me? I'm struggling here. Do you have a word? I, I've got... Do you have a perspective? Because I don't, I, I, and I'm just losing it right now. As many of you know, Jane and I were in Mexico City in Cuba. No beaches, no resorts, just in the middle of the people of those countries. And by the way, connecting with our Alliance International Workers and the pastors that they have mentored and raised up, these are just incredibly amazing people, sacrificially giving their lives, doing amazing stuff. Now, in the middle of the most violently dangerous postal code of Mexico City, we have a small alliance church that meets in a garage. There's also a little rain gutter that goes through part of the garage that adds the sweet smell of sewage to the worship experience. Add to that the tension that comes from the owner of the building who charges very little for the rent. He's a believer, and he's now being shaken down for protection money in the middle of drug turf wars that happen there, and... Uh, yeah, so the building owner actually uh, tracked part of our team down and asked them to pray for him. But I got to visit the home and pray for a guy named Ernesto who had made his way fairly far up as a narco, as a drug trafficker. Problem was, he was also a user. And the higher up you go, you're supposed to be clean, not a user. He was just hitting the wall in every way in this little church in the garage down the street from his home. The pastor of that church, Jonathan Valdez, began to walk with Ernesto, eventually leading him to faith in Jesus. With prayer and support, Ernesto was able to overcome his drug addiction, but leaving the cartel wasn't so simple. One night, Ernesto tried to outrun a hitman, praying from Psalm 91, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. No harm will overtake you. Two bullets from a high-powered carbine ripped into him. And Ernesto is convinced that God prevented them from doing damage and enabled him to hide behind a tree and get to safety. And when you talk with Ernesto, there are very few parts of his body that are not scarred by some weapon. Two days after Ernesto was shot, the, the guy who shot him was gunned down along with two other guys. And Ernesto was accused of the murder of all three, but it was apparently a different drug group in, in the turf wars there. And Ernesto was accused of the murder of all three. He insists he didn't do it. It's a long story that I don't have time to tell, but the police released him, and the cartel still holds him responsible for all three deaths. So for the past year, he has kept himself mostly indoors in an apartment in the back of a building. He believes that if he's sighted outside, he'll be killed. I can't show you a picture of him. He's great-looking but really scarred, and can't show you a picture of his home because it's still too risky for his life. And so now he and his wife cook meals and have them delivered to the neighborhood, kind of like Hello Fresh or Skip the Dishes, and that's how he makes a living and provides for his family. Uh, he doesn't do the delivery. He has other people who do that for him. But rather than letting his dark circumstances destroy him, this past year since he started to follow Jesus has only seen his faith in Jesus grow. 
He's kept his head when most people would have lost it. Even after a year of living mostly indoors, he's just grateful to God to be alive, to be able to support and enjoy his family. I laid hands on him and prayed for him that God would deliver him and lead him to freedom. And we hugged and he wouldn't let go and he cried and it was intense. And then one thought came to me. Wow. Any of the problems that you and I face in Fort McMurray that causes us to so quickly lose our heads, they are nothing compared to what Ernesto is up against. And with the Holy Spirit working in his life, he has kept his head, believing that God spared his life and that even in less than ideal circumstances, he's going to live his life well, care for his family well, live for the glory of God, even if he doesn't get to see the light of day all that much. Totally incredible. For some reason, there are a lot of car repair shops in this area. Apparently, they do it real cheap. When they need a part, they just grab one from a car parked somewhere else in the city. One of the Alliance International workers who parked his car came back only to find it blocks minus a lot of stuff. I mean, that's how it works there. Oh, and by the way, Pastor Jonathan would love it if we sent a short-term missions team there to help him. You could sleep in the garage. I mean, the church, assuming the church is still there and the owner of the building is still alive after all of the threats from the cartel. So I volunteered Lucas to lead a team, posted it on Facebook. Lucas's mother then posted that he wasn't allowed to go. Lucas, you do not have to listen to your mother. You're grown up now. Actually, there are safer opportunities for short-term missions in Mexico that maybe we'll look at in the future. Uh, Mexico City is an awesome city, an incredibly diverse city. I just love that city. I think what really impressed me about Ernesto was, despite it all, he had what the Apostle Paul describes as the peace of God that passes all understanding. Like, I had total respect for Joseph. Man, I had total respect for Ernesto. King David wrote, Trust in God at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And Ernesto is doing that even today as we worship here at Fort City. He is keeping his head. He is allowing the Holy Spirit to fill and empower him in the midst of circumstances that would crush most of us. Trust in God at all times. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. As we look at the life of Joseph from that first Christmas, as I've told you the story of Ernesto living in the most dangerous part of Mexico City, the message is, our God, he wants us to pour out our hearts, our emotions to him over whatever wrench has messed things up for us. You can do that. Describe to God your every thought, every worry, every fear. I mean, just tell him everything. Cry like Ernesto did. For you men here this morning, man up and cry. And after you pour out your heart to God, listen. Listen quietly for his response. And if you listen quietly, God will often say to you the very same words that he said to Joseph. Do not be afraid. Keep your head. And then allow God to bring to you the peace that passes human understanding. Back to Joseph. Joseph kept his head and he kept his faith. He became the man who, along with Mary, raised Jesus during his formative growing up years. And from what we can tell, he was one great dad. He gave time to Jesus, taught him how to use his hand and how to use tools. He passed on the carpentry trade to his son. And Joseph just ended up playing a role in the life of Jesus that set him apart from other men. But Joseph, 
He, he would have missed all that had he lost his head and thrown Mary out on her ear and cursed God and lashed out at everyone else. I mean, if he'd caved in to the fear and the bitterness and the vengeance-seeking, he would have lost being one of the central characters in the Christmas story, a story that gets told over and over over the past 2,000 years now. Thank God that he kept his head, that he was kind-hearted when life-shattering circumstances came his way. I mean, the message of Joseph, what, what Ernesto is living, is pretty clear for you and me. It's a pretty simple message. Whatever it is that's messing up your Christmas season, what, whatever it is that's tying your heart up in knots, just put your hand in God's hand, get your eyes on Jesus, let God empower you to keep your head as you keep your faith. And it's very possible that this trial that is so intense will prove that God is stronger than you thought he would be. Or prove that God is more loving than you ever imagined him to be. Or prove that God is more faithful than you ever gave him credit for. It, it is very possible that this very trial could strengthen your faith so that God could use you to play a greater role in what he's doing in our church, our city, and this world. That God could turn your pain and use it to make a difference for his purposes in this world. Just like he did with Joseph. Friends, I, I've seen him do it in my life. I've seen him do it in other lives. I, I saw it happening in Ernesto's life. I know he can do it in your life. So let's bow and pray and ask God to do that in our lives. God, first off, I just want to thank you for the Christmas story, how you sent your son Jesus into this world so that my life and our lives here would be better now and forever. I give you thanks for those in our church family who are heading into Christmas with incredible amounts of joy because of a new baby, a new job, or whatever circumstance. God, help us to share joy with others. Uh, even more so, help us to share that joy that comes from knowing you. And I pray for those who are carrying heavy burdens right now. God, remind them that you are a father to the fatherless, that you are always with us, that you will never leave us or forsake us. And by the way, for those of you who are experiencing painful circumstances as we enter Christmas in, I, I want to pray a prayer and just invite you to pray this with me. So would you pray this with me in your heart? Dear Jesus, just, just connect with him. Help me like Joseph to keep my head. Just, just tell him that. Ask him that. Help me to trust you in the midst of my pain and darkness. Fill me with joy despite what's going on. Help me to navigate it all wisely. I will hang on to you, listen to you. Give me courage and strength, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And friends, as we say all the time, you do not have to seek God all by yourself. You don't have to listen for God all by yourself. Why don't you allow our prayer team to seek God with you, to listen to God with you, and to pray as God leads them to pray for you. Our, our prayer team is available to serve you this morning for whatever is on your heart that you have prayer for. They'll be up front as we close the service. I mean, this is just an important part of what we do as a church. We pray for one another. We support one another. We share one another's burden. Let our prayer team be that for you. And hey, thanks for worshiping with us this morning. We have these connection cards that are in the bulletin or at the connection desk. They're a way that if you are newer around here that you can let us know that you're hanging around a bit at Fort City. It will get you on our email list so that you get our weekly newsletter. I mean, come on. A newsletter from Adrian Welsh. That'll be the highlight of your week, I tell you. And it's just filling in that card a step saying, I want to be more connected to Fort City. 
Also, if you're interested in child dedication or baptism as a believer, as you saw today, you can use a connection card. Or, or maybe you just want to be part of a small group, serve on a team, just bring the card in, fill it in at the connection desk, and for doing that, we'll give you a Starbucks gift card so that your Christmas latte is on us. Okay. Would you please stand for our closing words? God, speaking through the prophet Isaiah, has these words for us. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. That could be translated. Don't lose your... I have called you by name. You are mine. During this next week, whatever comes at you, uh, get your hand into God's hands. Slow down. Listen for the voice of God. Let him strengthen you with his voice, his presence, his love. Our God, friends, is for us. He can get us through anything. Do you believe that? Will you live like that? In the next week, we'll look at Mary, an ordinary yet extraordinary girl who was chosen to be the mother of the Son of God. We'll look at the courage that it takes to accept that kind of assignment and maybe you need someone who needs a dose of courage. Would you invite them with you next week? So God bless. Have a great week. And take some time to listen to God and let him encourage you deep within. Have a great week.